Let's have it then. Let's have it. Let's have it. Let's have it. Mm-hmm. Whose questions first? Oh, we they're anonymous, so we're not allowed to we're not allowed to say it's cryptic. It's cryptic. Um, client education. Whoa, whoa, what I'm not, can I'm not, I do? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Mate, you've taken seven minutes pissing around on a reel. Hey. Everyone's waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. Sort yourself out. So aside from client education, what more can I do to support clients outside of sessions to improve my service and its value? A go. Um, what more can you do? So client education, you could do this. For example, where you put a question at the end of a, a weekly check-in and do a live Q&A in the group, because I think that's it, it helps. It's relevant as well to, um, to clients. So I think that will help you, especially with your client group engagement. And I know you're working on the membership group at the minute as well, which is class. Um, okay, what else? You could do bring them together, whether it's for socials, events, that type of stuff. I think that's always works well like charity events every quarter, I think brings the team together. And I think that works well as part of a coaching service to aid a sense of belonging. I think a monthly review, um, if adding them into the service is huge for multiple different reasons, like um, to make sure that they stay to a decent level of motivation to overcome any potential barriers that might happen um, and plan forward. So I think that's a real good opportunity to add a monthly review in there. I think it's great for, for, for clients. Um, what else? I had another one in my head then to come back to. Any more, Nick? From a support perspective away from the sessions? Um, I think like accountability challenges and stuff like that yeah. would help. So like putting something small in like, um, whether that's a, a, a like a, re, a step challenge, whether that's a gym visit challenge, whether that is a habit challenge, like wherever it is, like keeps the group engaged um, and adds a decent layer into the service. Um, so let me just go through them. Monthly review. Um, what else? Socials, charity events, bring people together. I think that's massive. Um, the live Q&A within your client group the accountability support and challenge where you can obviously get them together and, and it adds to maybe something that they're working on from a performance perspective as well. Um, I think the last one I'm going to say is some form of collaboration. So for example, I know this person's got female fat loss as their demographic. So then maybe it's bringing in people that are specialists in specific areas. So it might be you bring someone in who wants to talk to your clients about managing in and around their training and nutrition in and around menopause, um, menstrual cycle, just general female fat loss stuff. If you're not delivering that type of stuff, it might be that you bring someone in um, who is, if you've got a lot of parents, something to do, you do like maybe a live Q&A with someone who specializes in that type of stuff, like, I don't know, child psychologist and stuff like that. Um, just collaborate with people who you can bring in. Um, yeah, I think that's huge. Some type of collaboration to bring into your clients is massive. Um, any other ideas? No. There's a fair few there, wasn't there, Nick? There was. Oh, it's my turn, is it? Yes. Just about to check if my stories was working again, but no, it's not giving me the chance to do it. Um, right. 
Oh, this is a good one. The top three monthly goal review questions. Uh, first one, if you could repeat that month, what would you do? What would you absolutely do differently? No, let me rephrase that. What would you do that you know you should have done but didn't? That's the first one. Second one is um, what is getting in the way of you doing that certain thing, task, job? And I've got two more. I know you said three. What's really, really, really important for you? And what would you stop, start and continue? Stop, start and continue is such a fucking good way to reflect on things, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a really good way to reflect on things. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, next question. Let's go. Man United or City neither. Uh, how many hours per week of coaching in the gym should I aim for? It uh, depends. Depends on the goals that you have to work towards. So, like, I don't know. So, this this is completely individual. I'll give you an example of this. Right, I when I was probably five years into coaching, I, I share this story all the time. Like, I was doing silly amount of gym floor coaching hours, and the service and quality of service and coaching was crapping it. When I actually paused for a second and took a breather. I kind of looked at my business and I was like, this is just plain stupid. It doesn't align with my values. This isn't what I'm about. I pride myself on service coaching and retention and this is poor. So I started to look at what, again, what I wanted and what I needed. So go back through goal setting. What is, what is it that you're working towards in, in terms of your revenue goal off the back of? Obviously, you know from us, like, yes, a revenue goal needs to be there because we're a business and we want to strive towards year-on-year -year growth, like what business doesn't. Um, but at the same time, it has to align with what you really want and need. And for a lot of people, and for me back in the day, it was like, right, how can I get time back and earn the same or potentially more money? And I also looked at what how do I perform best from a coaching perspective? How many hours back-to-back -back do, do I do? And I'd gone from doing sometimes six and seven hours back-to-back -back coaching to then realising that I get the best out of myself and my clients for, for a max of three hours. So then I used to block it and do a max of six hours of coaching per day. So I used to do three hours in the morning, eat, train, three hours lunchtime, and then that used to cycle over of the next day I might do three hours lunchtime and three hours peak time. So... I kind of got my head around that that brought the best out of me. And the only reason I'm sharing that is because that then give me a, a kind of a capped number that I'm not going to go over, plainly because quality, consistency, coaching, attention, all of that type of stuff was, was at its max. Um, so that helped me, but it all comes back to what is it that you specifically want and need um, and how self-aware of you are you about your energy, your coaching, your enthusiasm, your cues, how you're getting the best out of your clients when you're doing maybe two, three, four sessions back to back? What does that look like for you? And then just plan your week in and around it. I think it'd be wrong for me to say there's a magic number because there's clearly not. Um, but what I will say is, is that you will provide better coaching and provide a better service to your clients if you've got a more weighted 
percentage towards your on business than your in business. That's from my experience with working with loads of coaches. It's once they get a grip at this, they'll probably sit at 20 to 25, 25 hours of coaching, probably a mix of one to one to one and small group. And then the, the rest of the 20, 25 hours that they're going to do to hit their capacity of workload is really invested into their own business side of things. And that's when you'll start to see your coaching and your service go through the roof. Anything you'd add to that, Nick? Nope. Um, as you know, I'm mainly working on developing my online coaching. Do you have any advice on how I can reach a wider audience? Even though I have online clients and I'm getting great feedback and referrals, my clients are still local people to my area. I feel like the one, one of the reasons why they sign up with me is because I'm the local guy from the gym who knows his stuff. Uh, is there any? Uh, the only thing I can think of is paid ads. I'm not complaining. I'm just curious. And it would be nice to get myself known out of the North Lincolnshire, Lincolnshire area. I think that's supposed to say. Okay. Before I give like a couple of things, I think, first of all, why is that important to you? That's the first question I'd ask. Like, you're not going to run out of clients in that area. Um, 100%. So that's the first thing I'd kind of ask myself. And does it align with what you're wanting to achieve in your business? Because you could be putting a lot of effort and time and investment into things like paid ads or um, putting a lot more effort into an investment into like a website, SEO, et cetera, et cetera. Um, where it might not actually be the thing, the right thing for you. So that's the first thing I'd say. Um, but yes, paid ads, 100% is is going to, you know, create a, a wider reach. But you're gonna have, you're gonna be paying for it, like anything else, like anything when you do ads. Um, so that's the first thing organically, I think getting into like you would do with like local community, social media groups, getting international ones um, or looking at different areas that you might want to break into, whether it's that demographic led or a specific problem. Um, that's the next thing. The next thing is, have you got um i so one thing is the google business profile um obviously a lot of the time that's focused around location like google my um google my business but what you can do is obviously work on your your how easy you are to find um work on you know optimizing something like that as a starting point optimizing your your website making sure that it's really targeted towards the people you want to serve so when they're searching for it you can start to get up get reviews on your facebook page on your um on your google profile <clears throat> those are the first couple of things i would do and then think about maybe paid ads not just through facebook potentially google youtube's great as well potentially is um also, what you could do, um, another, another, though it's a lot harder, is to, is to start a, a YouTube channel. Because when people Google stuff and they ask questions, that usually kind of pulls up 
um, those bits and pieces. So, but I'd first start, I'd start off with firstly is like, why, why is that a concern or a want for you? And then prioritize that off the back of it. Anything else? No. How do I approach the delicate subject of asking clients whether they have been vaccinated? Is it even ethical to do so? Hmm. Um, I think, listen, I think if it aligns with what, if it's something that you're quite passionate about and what you believe in, that you are, it is something that you would prefer your clients to, to, to be, to be, to be vaccinated, then I don't, I don't think that that's a problem personally. That's my personal opinion. If you, if you feel that it's because of your kind of care, your duty of care in some cases to clients and maybe for the, your family members around you, that's something that you feel that you would prefer clients to be vaccinated. I don't think that that's a problem when it comes to you being ethical and all of that type of stuff. I think, listen, when it comes to this, there's so many people with differing opinions and stuff, and that's that's fine. But it depends on what you believe, what your beliefs are, and you have to stand by them as a, a business owner and as a brand. And I think you have to, yeah, I think you have to just stand firm. That's completely down to you. Um, approaching that, approaching that is a difficult one. Like in, in, ish, I think. The reason why it's a difficult one is because people have so many different views, but if that's your kind of values and beliefs that you would prefer that for, for whatever reason, I think maybe just asking clients at, uh, at consultation just to say, listen, just to keep for, for my for my self-awareness and to help me to understand and for clients and the people around me, I prefer to understand if people have been vaccinated or not um, and then just take like take the answer and kind of decide what you want to do off the back of it. Yeah. But it is a difficult one. When I seen the question, I was like, it's a really good question to ask because in theory, it's very much like, I don't know, a company these days asking an employee as they're coming in, are they vaccinated or not? So but sad, isn't it? It's mental. Yeah. It's mental. Now it's mental because you can see an understanding of why they would ask that, but you could also think, fuck, this is a bit dodgy. Do you know what I mean? It's, a, it's just one of those things where, like, we're in a we're in a position as a society where we have to ask these questions. Do you know what I mean? Is it okay for me to ask someone like that? And it's just like, I, I just yeah, it might be me. I don't. Yeah, think the way like, I see it is would, well, and this is probably going into a complete rabbit hole. And I can absolutely understand why someone would do it and ask clients and employees and all of that. Um, I was reading an article about this the other week about football clubs asking as they sign players, like they're basically resistant to signing players who haven't had the, the vaccination. And you can kind of understand it because then it spread, you've got the bubble, it spreads within the bubble and whatever. And you get that. But at this stage of when you're bringing people into a business or hiring people or like in this with, from a client perspective, like would you ask them if they've had an MMR vaccine? Would you ask them if you've had, do you know it, what I mean? But it's not going to stop. In regards to like transit, transmitting, it's, it's not going to stop that. No, 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 no. You're right. So 
and we're going into a massive rabbit hole. Yeah, carry on speaking yeah. about it, but I, I, I think, think I think personally, I think ask be you know ask be if you're not if you're attracting the people that are like-minded, share your values, you want to work with, you've got a good relationship with, like they'll understand. Yeah, and that's why I said at the start, it, it very much depends on your beliefs and your values and so on. And that's where you have to stand firm. Like if that's what you believe in and they're like, well, it's what you value and all of that, you 100% have to stand by that yeah, 100%. Um, and be not apologetic by it. Like we've talked about this morning, bloody hell, it's the first full webinar on the business transformation program about values, beliefs, needs and wants and stuff. That's so important in an industry where we lack clarity, direction and a level of identity and can feel a little bit lost at times and be led astray by what other people are doing. Um, it's so important now more than ever to have them values and beliefs and you absolutely should stand by them. So if it's something you feel passionate about, you should absolutely ask from day one, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can argue both um, for both sides. Cool. Next one. And there's a good question, by the way, because I bet a lot, of people yeah, a lot of people have thought about that. Um, how do you get the balance of not dictating to clients, but at the same time giving that accountability? What a great question that is. Um, I think it's the way, well, first of all, like you, there is, I know we, we talk a lot about MI and, and whatnot and getting the client, but there is spats and times where you do need to, you do need to tell, you know, if, but I think this is a really important thing that when it comes to like accountability and when it comes to making sure that you're leading, you're giving them, um, relevant choices for them and opening up a conversation about it that's the that's doing those two things in one so you're not dictating but you you're leading them and giving relevant suggestions to solutions to their problem um and then and then asking you know what is the level of accountability or how would you like to be accountable or how are you measuring the success of that how would you like to do that? And if they come back and say, I don't know, great, no problem. Would you like to me to give you a couple of suggestions that have worked for similar clients and then and then move forward? So you're not just letting them go off and make their own decisions and own mistakes, but you're you're guiding and leading them. But they're a part of the conversation all the way through. So you're telling without telling, essentially. Um so yeah, that's how to go about it. Mailchimp or active campaign for emailing. I've only got experience of Mailchimp, so I'm just going to say that. Um, we spoke to Joe from FitLogic. So if you don't know who Joe is, we brought him in for a webinar to you guys in the group. So it's in there somewhere. So go have a look for it and talk through automation. And Joe was in the active campaign camp, and clearly he's got more experience than us um at this type of stuff but we use mailchimp nick uses mailchimp for everything and it seems to do the job um in more ways than one um so yeah i I, i'll lean to mailchimp because that's the only experience that i have um how would you recommend communicating to clients that you are moving online or just shared a post about this this morning um How would you communicate? How would you recommend communicating to clients? Uh, oh, this is, um, the immediate question in my head is you want them to move online with you. 
Um, if that's the case, hopefully you've delivered and charged for the whole service while they've been face-to-face uh, -face with you. So they get sort of experienced the value behind the programming, the check-ins and the, and the basically the distance element of the service that you provided them with. Um, and so I would definitely give, first of all, any kind of changes in your business like that, like quite big changes from going face-to-face -to, -face to fully online. If you've got clients face-to-face -face now, give them time, um, you know, 30 to 60 days of, of notice um, is crucial, I think, you know, as a rule of thumb. Um, I think looking at your clients right now, looking at what, what they're good at, what they're adherent to, what is really important to them. And I think being very, very brutally honest, where if you've got a couple of clients where actually like taking away this face-to-face -face service is really going to damage their progression and their consistency, I would definitely think about out like passing them on to a face-to-face -face coach. So really assess your clientele. Um, from an adherence perspective, from going back on the latest business review and needs analysis of what they're wanting, um, how they're going, etc. And then just have a look at that landscape. Um, because I think a lot of the time when you if you want to move online, it's a natural progression from being face to face, but it's going to be different times for everybody. Communicate that from um, from the reviews, communicate that from um you know formally through email letter give them time to adjust highlight the benefits don't bullshit the benefits either don't make the benefits up don't try and convince um you know if, if it's the best thing for them then do it otherwise i think um pass them on to a face-to-face -face coach personally anything else on that no 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 no, no. Did you mention? I'd like some more, like more context to that question because there's lots of. Ifs, yeah. And the reason why I said about I shared a post about it this morning because I don't know if you mentioned it then because obviously I stopped listening to you. Um, the reason why I shared a post about this this morning is it's a great time to A, put your prices up and then B, pitch the other product. So then you could basically, I know it's for some people it might go against your values and so on, but you basically could price someone out of face-to-face -face coaching into online coaching as long as long as you feel that they will still be a cartball adherent and get results within that product. I think that's the most important thing here. And I'm sure you covered that then. Next question. Didn't listen please. to you. Fuck you, Nick. <laughs> Fuck you, Nick. <laughs> you didn't listen to me. <laughs> uh, oh, two-parter. Go on then. I better know who this is. Yeah, he's put three questions in this one. Lad. <laughs> uh, I feel as if my head has been at my ass the last week or so. I have managed to complete most my most important tasks, but that's about it. Any tips for getting back on track? Um, go with that one first. Um, I think, first of all, it's allowed. It happens to all of us. It happened to me last week and the week before. Like shit happens like this. I think sometimes some of us take on probably a little bit too much. And then when it doesn't allow for say life getting in the way and then something happens and you're like, shit, everything gets put on the back burner. So 
uh, it comes back to managing your time and your schedule, which you obviously already know. Um, I think normalise it. It happens. We all have weeks like this. Um, it's important to maybe identify the triggers, triggers so you know for next time um, and trying to be able to avoid it. But literally, it'll still happen once in a while. So just accept it and get over it. Um, you've managed to complete the most important tasks. That's a, that's, that's a belter, like the ones that are going to make the biggest impact. Um, so fair play, pat on the back. Any tips for getting on, back on track? Yeah, make sure that you stop completely factoring time to schedule for the following week. Um, and when I say schedule, I mean writing everything down that you've got to do, prioritizing that, and then putting it in to specific hours. So then you can just turn up and basically do the work. So an example of this might be that that you want to do some client videos for your client group, right? Then what you'd need to do, first of all, is plan it. Now, what a lot of PTs do is go, let's say, if I'm going to micromanage myself, I'll do Tuesday 4 till 6, I'm going to do the client videos, but you haven't even planned them yet. So make sure that you break everything down and go, right, okay, so Tuesday 4 till 6, planning my energy balance video, planning my, my fitness pal video for the group. So then you can just turn up and go, right, I just need to sit in front of a Word document and plan it out, plan it out. And then you can book back in to then do the video or do the webinar and so on. So just make sure that you've got everything down that aligns again with your goals. So you stay on track. You're not deviating away from, from your strategy of getting to where you want to go. And then you go, right, and micromanage yourself. Book it in on your calendar so it reminds you with alerts of what you're doing in that hour and just make it realistic. Don't put too much into your day. Like if you've got a couple of tasks that you need to prioritize, make sure you prioritize them. And then if you've got a spare hour then that you factored in for work and there's nothing left to do that you've put in, you can then look at your quick wins and go, right, well, what can I do now? I can jump on stories. I can maybe do that post that I was thinking about doing in two days' time and bring it forward. So, yeah, my advice would be to stop prioritize everything and then micromanage yourself of what you're doing in what time across the, uh, the the week ahead. Next question. I'm considering leafleting my local area. Do you have any advice on how to do this properly? Did you have anything to add on that last question then? No. Okay. Um, um, uh, I think there's an argument here to outsource, to get a company to do it for you. It depends how much volume that you're going to do. But I think, yeah, maybe have a look at cost of outsourcing. Can you get a company to do it for you? Because what you'll find is if you're spending, let's say, two, four, I don't know, six hours a week doing this, what could you do from another marketing sense to, to buy that time back to get another company to do it? So I would look into the costs of maybe how you would get another company to do it for you. And if that's not possible, maybe or you offer it out to people for minimum wage to do it, to do it for you, people you trust and you employ someone to do it. Um, but other than that, I would look at the, if this is for your boot camp, I would look at your local postcode area and I would get a map and I would start to just go in distance covered from where your boot camp is and start to hammer the local area in basically a bit of a circle and then just keep going outwards. One thing I will say is that one, this is where the leafleting isn't the, probably the most productive way to market because we looked at the research in for a commercial gym a while ago and sometimes it takes three or four leaflets for people to take action on whatever it is the offer is. So basically you'd need to go three or four times to the same houses to get a result off the back of it. 
Um, so yeah, so maybe that if you, yes, it's a good way of doing going about things, but maybe, I don't know, paid ads for in that local area targeting the demographic might be a little bit more of a better return of investment. What are your thoughts on that, Nick? I think it needs to be a part of the whole strategy. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you've got leaflets going in, I think depending on the area and depending on the density of the and the location to, to residents, to your boot camp, for example, would depend on the, the amount, obviously, that you, you do and how often you can do it. So if you've got, like, let's say, as an example, you've got, you're doing a three-month campaign or you're doing a month campaign, then maybe the month before, month leading up to that, you might hit, I know, two two to 5,000 houses twice in that month, then plus a um, your local community group, Facebook group post and an ad going out and um, referral campaign through social media and jumping. Like it's got to be multiple touch points rather than just relying on like the leaflets to bring it in. The leaflets will be a part of a whole system. Um, like Anne said, that will, you know, you'll keep you keep seeing it you keep seeing it you keep seeing it so it definitely needs to be a part of the whole um strategy rather than just a standalone let's get some leaflets out in my opinion yeah good shout all right last question of the day unless there's some in the in the chat um say again there is is there um client monthly reviews as i get busier i feel it might be more challenging to fit all my monthly reviews into the last week of every month I usually do my monthly review over Zoom. If me and my clients are struggling to find a time that suits both of us, would it be okay for me to send them over a monthly review form and then record a video giving them feedback and discussing their goals for the next month? Another potential option I've come up with is to do their review at the end of their last PT session of the month. Would these be okay if I can't fit their call in on the last week of the month? So I think I either or, like look at the objective of the review, look at what you're trying to achieve out of the review and what you want that to give to your clients and stick with that. The method then, you know, work around that as long as it get, it hits that objective, whether that's to bring about, you know, self-reflection on that month, to uh, affirm their progress, to make adjustments for the month ahead. What, you know, really double down on the objective of that rather than just doing it. I'm not saying you are, but, um, because ultimately, if you achieve that through an online form and you're doing a Loom video over that form to give feedback and it achieves the objective, happy days. But if you know that you've got to get someone down face to face and talk to them because, you know, you might need to go into more detail. You might need the education side of things. You might need to discuss something really important. Then that might be a route. So. As long as it achieves the objective, I think the variety of ways you do it is going to be, um, you can alter that. But also, I think that look at when people come in and do it on a four-week cycle of people yeah, rather than rather than the, you know, trying to consolidate everybody at the end of the month. Um, you, you know, you guys do your monthly review at the end of the month because it's a calendar month and your finances are for that time period usually so 
But if like Ant starts training me on the 15th of the month, then I'm going to do his review four weeks after that. And, and also align it to your training block as well. It might not be four weeks. It might be six weeks. It might be five weeks. So that will mean that you spread X amount of clients over a four-week period of um, or a six-week period rather than trying to get everyone in within a couple of days at the end of the month. Okay. Yeah, and like the only other thing that I would say that's worked for some of the guys is that, like, for example, Dom, I'm sure he won't mind me sharing this, is he basically, he basically offers it to his clients as like, this is, these are, this is a monthly review. This is what it supports with. And um, you have the opportunity to book these and gives them individual times. And let's say he's got 10 clients, these six or seven slots that he'll then book across, they can book across the month. So it's optionable, optional, should I say? So then I know, yeah, I fucking lost it there, didn't I? Um, <laughs> optionable. <laughs> That's a new one. Uh, <laughs> Belter that. <laughs> I've lost my fucking... Oh, so yeah. So his clients then book it when they feel like they really need it. So I think that's also a good opportunity for you to potentially do that. But that might... might it may miss out on some people who just don't realise they need it. But that's then up to you to encourage them throughout the month with your internal marketing to kind of support them to really value it and go, right. And sharing... like it's, That's like social proof to your group. So if I've... Nick's booked in a month of review because he what really wants to... He's got a busy... Uh, month of nights out for example and wants to know how he can work through that and still achieve results i then might share that with our client group and go guys this has been really valuable for nick this month because he's got quite a busy kind of social life coming up in the next month or so and these are the things that he's come up with to try and work through that so it's become really valuable so then some of his clients will be like oh that's going to be valuable for me for next month so that optionable optionable one um yeah, the optional one is also a, a decent addition to, to your options there, Andy Rose. You know. Optionable options you know, that made, are optional. Made a, lost the plot. Made one right. out, yeah, yeah here, here we go. Whose question is it? I can't remember. Well, I'm, really, I'm really dying for a piss, so can we hurry up? Uh, what's the best way to get to track client adherence what would you do with that info from tracking it would you use it in the monthly review um what's the best way to track well the best way to track client adherence is it will be through whatever types of methods that them clients are using so let me go with a bog standard one like are they tracking as accurately as they could so let's say they're using my fitness pal as part of their weekly check-in, are they summarizing it quite well? So is their awareness of that adherence? What are their steps like? What are their gym visits like? What's their sleep like? And that normally is tracked in a weekly check-in, for example, if you're doing that. So you'd be able to track adherence through your weekly check-in. Um, and then that will be used then to discuss within the monthly review because you'll have four check-ins to cover all angles. So that will help measure adherence. Um, if you're not doing a weekly check-in already. And then what's great about that is what we provide you with on the dashboard um, that you've got. So the, the dashboard that you've got is the accountability tracker where that measures adherence for all of your clients. So then 
that's you've got then feedback so actual facts and feedback on how they're performing in all areas whether it's nutrition training activity you could add different stuff in there like compliance to check-ins what their sleep's like and you might add that and then you've got an overview of all of your clients and whether they're red amber and green within a from an adherence perspective and then any of the ones that are maybe amber and red maybe you need to take a different approach with them to support them with adherence so the way to track it is the weekly check-in that feeds into the monthly review when we have a chat and go through goals and measure performance that way. And then you've got this overarching kind of system where you can assess everyone and then act accordingly off the back of it. So that would be what I would say. Anything you'd add to that, Nicholas, Michael, Hanley? The only thing I'd add is get them to make sure you're both on the same page of what you're on how you're rating things. So the questions you ask and the way you rate them should be the way that they rate themselves and just making sure that you both align on that um, because they could be thinking they're doing really well and you could be thinking they're doing really shit. And if those two things don't align, then you're going in two different directions, which is the, a really difficult thing to manage. Got another question. What should you bear in mind? I love Jesse's questions. Man. Yeah, they are good. Man. What should you bear in mind when creating powerful, electrifying goals with clients beyond the usual boring smart format that ensures they can overcome dips in motivation? What a question. Um, the why, the why, the why, the why. Because the smart goal, the smart, you know, smart goals is very relevant. You know, you've got to get it really specific. You've got to be able to measure it. It's got to be attainable, realistic, and time constrained. Um, but one big thing that that doesn't have included is what obviously we go through in the bridge model and the, and the goal setting a lot of the time is that emotional anchor to that goal. It's a thing that's going to keep them focused on the outcome, focused on the process. Um, so the why behind that and making sure that they that's really important to them and it's it's relevant to them. Um, and then they also think when you're going through those goals, dealing with any type of ambivalence, barriers um, towards them achieving that and making sure that they're a part of the solution when you're coming up with the solutions is massively important because unless, unless someone can see past that, unless someone can see that work and that reasonable and it will be doable and achievable, then they're never really going to commit fully to that goal. It's always going to be, uh, it will be nice if it happened, but if it doesn't, I'm not bothered. You know, that kind of scenario, which is not going to be uh, a good position for your clients to be in. So, so yeah, the biggest one is the emotional anchor, overcoming those, uh, that or helping the client overcome the ambivalence they're going through um, and helping them overcome the barriers, helping them see past it. Um, and getting very simple things in place to help them with that. Good question to finish. Belting questions this week. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, they were decent. Um, okay. Any final thoughts from you, Nicholas, Michael, Hanley? No, I'm going to have another coffee. I'm going to run to, to have a piss. All right. Well, have a good Tuesday, all. In a bit. Bye-bye.